0: If I told you half the things I've heard about this Jabba the Hutt,
1: you'd probably be shocked.
0: Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of Blabber the Hut. The
1: illustrious Jabba bids you welcome and will gladly pay you the reward of 25,000. So, the only thing that you can tell me is that I will find Jabba at Palace. I'm your
0: host Kate and I'm joined by Gary. What's up Gary?
1: Good evening, Kate. How are we?
0: We're doing pretty good. Lots to talk about in this ep.
1: Oh, it's, <laughs> it's it's been a long time coming for us, hasn't it? But we've we finally reached that point.
0: So, just FYI, this episode and the next episode are some special Star Wars lit So we're going to just jump right into things and talk about something fairly new on the Star Wars horizon. And that's the High Republic. We've been teasing about it a little bit in past episodes, but we finally got to a point where we're kind of caught up. So we're going to tackle Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule in this episode. And then the next episode will cover The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott. So, hi, Republic. What are you thinking about that, Gary?
1: It's been an experience, hasn't it? I mean, I remember we had a, a really long conversation about our initial thoughts when this was announced. I mean, the the level of planning that must have gone into this. Yeah. And With respect to something new starting within the fandom, there's always that little voice in the back of your head that's maybe being overly cautious or maybe a little bit worried about what is this going to be? Is it going to work? But Mm -hmm. if we remember from the reveal, the level of planning and detail, but then the writing talent that were brought on board as well to to look after
0: this project,
1: I mean... Probably fair to say, from our side of things, Kate, that it's the the cream of the crop of the the writers that we have within the fandom presently, and I think that further surmises what we've been saying for a long, long time is that the strongest part of this fandom for a long time has been the literature.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many levels, and you know, just the way things. So 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 far, I've read three things total with High Republic. And the overlap is just crazy, you know. It does take a little bit of getting used to, you know, it's totally new characters that we're not familiar with at all, but but then there is stuff you are familiar with. So very interesting.
1: You've hit the nail on the head, and we're obviously going to cover a little bit more of that with respect to Light of the Jedi, because Charles Soul had the inenviable task of kicking this thing off and essentially opening the doors to the High Republic and everything within it. And I think Light of the Jedi and Rising Storm are very, very different. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that a little bit as well. But this is a completely new era for us in that 200 years pre the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. So this was a world building.
0: So there's a on few another, names. On, that are familiar
1: absolutely there are a couple of names in there which people will be familiar with but (laughs) it's very minimal and i like that i think it works
0: yeah so it kind of gives them license to do whatever they want (laughs) within reason i guess
1: it very much does and we have to say the reaction to the high republic the early reaction has been fantastic i i will put my hands up and say i was genuinely surprised how positive the reaction was Mm -hmm. but as we were saying we had kind of been hinting a little bit that we would eventually be discussing the high republic and we've sort of reached the stage now where particularly here in ireland a lot of people have gradually begun to catch up yeah because it was still sort of a, a slow burner over here I had found we were we were lucky enough to get our review copies for Light of the Jedi and we decided you know we would we would hold off just a, a little bit until people caught up here in Ireland and thankfully, sure. that has happened and you know we're going to get to talk about that today which is incredibly exciting.
0: Right and before we get into like the Meteor discussion of the actual novel I just want to talk a little bit about like the order that you read them in so was this your entry point as you will to High Republic Light of the Jedi Uh,
1: with respect to me yes it was it was the only one that was essentially available
0: okay because I just want to (laughs) say that if you have not gotten into it at all I definitely recommend doing this book first yeah, especially well, this one before the Rising Storm.
1: Yes, with, with Light of the Jedi being the sort of first iteration, and then right. the Rising Storm not exactly being a direct follow-up, but it it sort it of adds to the it yes. adds to the story. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I assume you're referring to uh, Test of Courage and uh, Into the Dark as well.
0: Um, yeah, more so Into the Dark.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: as, as far as I understand it, Light of the Jedi and the rising storm are the only two adult novels so far right
1: provisionally yeah and i guess the courage definitely falls under the YA. just neither of them have been released here in ireland yet Okay, so yeah, and seen, into so the why. dark is
0: like a like the like the older level ya and then i think all the other actual novels are like the younger level YA, mm-hmm. and then of course there's like tons of comics which i have not gotten into yet
1: being worked on by a good friend of ours shout out to nick brokenshire
0: there you go I know I'll have to get on that But I think we'll talk more about that too About how it it's gotten us Very fired up for High Republic
1: Without a doubt Without a doubt And it's, um, it's going to be an interesting conversation And as we said we do have lots to talk about
0: Yes Indeedy So should we get into things Do you want to Should we kick it off our usual way
1: Punch it Chewy
0: light of the jedi so of course the jedi are all familiar to us very much so and so this has been quite an interesting journey so do you want to just get us kicked off with some light of the jedi insights
1: absolutely so what people as we've mentioned it is set 200 years pre uh, the phantom menace so this is an era that we have not seen before with the Jedi Order, even though there are some familiar faces uh, thrown in there as well. But I think the easiest way to to look at this is with respect to Light of the the Jedi, and I'll get your opinion on this as well. The dipping your toe in with respect to Light of the Jedi by Charles. So Light of the Jedi was essentially a world-building experience. Mm -hmm. This was the one kicking everything off. So in essence, it was this incredibly busy novel with a lot of sensory overload and that we encounter new characters new
0: new everything ships
1: vehicles new everything essentially Mm -hmm. yeah and the starting point for the high republic is the great disaster which which happens which kicks everything off which we will get into in um in a little bit right but with respect to that, Kate, was that something that you would say was sort of the the main takeaway from Light of the Jedi? Just how jam packed it was and how world building it, it was.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really sets up the tone of the Jedi of the era for, and not just the Jedi, but also like the, the Republic and then the Nile, Just everything, it's setting everything up.
1: Absolutely. And this is a time where the Jedi are at the height and peak of their powers. And it is essentially the, I suppose I would describe it as the, the dawning of a new era for hyperspace exploration. Mm-hmm. In that the hyperspace lanes are constantly being explored and new worlds being reached in the the mid and, and outer rim. I suppose forming the, the Star Wars universe, which would eventually become the one that, that we all know and would be would be most familiar with
0: right so there's like a real sense of adventure and like you know kind of like the pioneers of old just heading west if you will (laughs) to explore the unknown
1: exploration is definitely one of the key words that would go along with um Mm -hmm. with this novel for sure but one thing I did want to point out, okay and it's something that I did want to get your opinion on and again we will advise people that there are spoilers for Light of the Jedi within this Yes, yeah, so this is probably going to so. be
0: pretty spoiler heavy. So if, if you haven't read that and you don't want to be spoiled, maybe come back and listen to this episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, just just hit pause, go off and read Light of the Jedi, and yeah, then it'll only take play you once you A you've few redored.
0: hours tops.
1: <laughs> the one thing for me, Kate, the, the reading Light of the Jedi, it felt quite foreign. mm mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, as we said, this is the time where the Jedi are at their peak. It is they are at the peak of their powers. But within this realm, we have a republic where everyone seems to work in harmony. Everyone seems to work together for the greater good of we everyone are all else. The we are all the republic. And that's quite hard to wrap your head around because... You know, we live in an age now where there is always conflict. There is always confrontation. There is, you know, there are things going wrong all of the time. Nothing seems to work together. Nothing seems to work in harmony. Mm -hmm. So to be putting your head between these pages and to see this incredible era of camaraderie, different worlds coming together for the greater good. Yeah. It felt quite strange, and I, I truly did find it hard to wrap my head around yeah. the, the atmosphere and, I suppose, the 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 theme and tonality of, of this. That was sort of the, the hardest thing for me, because when you read of everything that was going on with the building of, of Starlight Beacon, which we, we will talk about more, mm-hmm. and the further exploration and development yeah. of the, the hyperspace lanes...
0: So, uh- you can finish that thought sorry i didn't mean no
1: just i i I found that very foreign and i was wondering what your thoughts on it were reading about this i suppose the 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 ideal world it it came across like at one point
0: so i definitely agree with you and I, i was curious if if you kind of were picking up on some star trek vibes so like the federation kind of expanding and different things like that it kind of gave me almost like a star trek feel
1: Mm-hmm. well you're a much bigger trekkie than me so that would be something <laughs> that you would um that you would pick up on um but yes in, in i suppose the the spirit of that it's that want of exploration mm-hmm. and to to reference trek i suppose the, the united federation of planets to, yeah, to some extent
0: exactly that's what, what i was it just kind of gave me that feeling it,
1: it, it was very very strange to read something like that because when you're reading about everything that was going on, eventually in the back of your mind, you're going, oh, this isn't going to last. There's something just <laughs> going to happen here. Kicking it off then, Kate, as we said, Charles Soul had such a difficult task kicking this off and world building. Mm-hmm. What did you feel about the great disaster or as I've seen, some people call it the great catastrophe with mm-hmm. um, the legacy run. What so, did you initially?
0: Yeah. Um, I don't. I didn't fully expound earlier, but the my entry point was actually into the dark. I don't know if I actually mentioned that. Mm-hmm. So Claudia Grays. and so it, it was interesting to, to start off from that perspective because it's a little bit different because they're actually like caught in the disaster when it happens. Yes. So yeah. So that was kind of interesting. So each each different novel is going to have slightly different perspective and things like that and i'm I'm curious to read those other ya ones too to kind of see um what that slant is we haven't really seen anything like that where it's affecting like you don't really give a second thought to hyperspace so to see certainly not like it's always just been kind of a given i mean in star wars before you don't think anything could even go wrong with it so that i thought that was pretty interesting just to, to have a big disaster surrounding that
1: very much so so i suppose maybe if we give a little bit of a, a breakdown that for those who maybe are following along or maybe do decide to to stick along the great disaster occurs when the legacy run is traveling through hyperspace and as was typically known when you travel through hyperspace the chances of you bumping into something are should we say beyond infinitesimal Kate?
0: It's supposed to be, like, impossible.
1: Impossible. <laughs> completely and utterly impossible. But it does happen that something is encountered. And Captain Hedekaseth, mm-hmm. who was the, the leader of the Merry Band, as you may say, mm-hmm. transporting... Um, uh, refugees is probably not the right word to use for, tra- for those that were on board. but were they, like, say settlers? It was, yes, I suppose settlers and other beings who have had maybe a a difficult time of things and are seeking new life on different planets right and unfortunately when this disaster occurs they are left with the audacious task of trying to avert an object within their line of sight while they are traveling through hyperspace
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and unfortunately The Legacy Run is not a ship built for maneuverability by any stretch of the imagination. It is basically a multi-purpose cargo vessel.
0: And it's old, right?
1: Yes, and it's old, even though uh, Captain Headexet keeps it in tip-top shape Mm -hmm. with regular maintenance and checks and things of that nature. It is not built for maneuverability. And unfortunately, while traveling through hyperspace, it tries to veer off and change course, but the sheer forces alone just annihilate the ship and tear it to pieces, of which then sets off the great disaster within hyperspace, which has a detrimental effect on you, the rest.
0: You have like all that shrapnel and stuff, which is like coming out everywhere.
1: Absolutely. So, what happens essentially is. That the parts of the ship are traveling through hyperspace, and they emerge in different locations at different times, causing unimaginable damage uh, mm-hmm. throughout the galaxy. In yep. one particular example, um, was it the was it the first emergence, Kate, on Abby that killed something like twenty million people?
0: Something like that, yeah.
1: Like that sets the tone. Yeah. 20 million people in an instant just mm-hmm. wiped out and obviously when this occurs the sos call goes out and the jedi race to the scene but within that then it presents a whole new perspective in that we come across so many different worlds so many different new characters be they primary characters such as the the jedi and chancellor lena so
0: mm-hmm. or
1: they may be secondary characters such as um Kevin Tarr or Burry. Or, or Burry yes everybody seems to love Bury, don't they
0: <laughs> Bury is precious
1: absolutely Bury is <laughs> um amazing but yes so within this disaster we travel to many planets such as uh, Hetzel Prime being the i suppose the sort of crescendo of all things mm-hmm. leading the the relief in that sense and leading the charge for the jedi den is none other than avar chris yes and avar as a character is very unique kate isn't she she has Mm -hmm. a very unique force ability and that's one thing i really like what charles did and it was a lovely differentiation of how avar interacts with the force Versus how Elzar interacts with the Force. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was very cool how it gave descriptions of how they see the Force. And it seems like it's different for each Jedi. So thats I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before, have we?
1: No, certainly not, N- not in that way, I don't think so. So with um, Avar Chris, she is...
0: So if you a je- need a, a visualization of her, just picture Jodie Whittaker. Jodie
1: Whittaker. F- Yeah, Jodie Whittaker. Yeah, Doctor Who, I was about to say. Yeah, exactly that. (laughs)
0: That first image that they released, like it just, it looks just like
1: her. Everybody said it with the the fan casting for sure. I think
0: that would be a good
1: one. It it most certainly would be. And we had a little bit of a discussion about that the other night, didn't we?
0: Yeah.
1: But as we've said, it's a perspective that we've never seen before. So Ava Chris has the unique ability in that she acts as, I want to say, Kate, uh, a focusing beacon. Yeah, that's a good
0: way to put it. Between
1: all the other Jedi in that she actually sees the Force as a song.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And within that, then she is able to coordinate all the other Jedi within the Force, whether it is in relief efforts or if they are flying in battle or passing messages to mm-hmm. one another she um would, would would you describe her as a, a force conduit almost kate
0: yeah that, i think that's a good description
1: but we have never ever seen that before and avar is very calm very resourceful um mm-hmm. i wouldn't quite describe her as your typical jedi though kate would you
0: mm, i i don't know i don't think any of these characters are like typical
1: <laughs> not not even loden
0: Oh, yeah, maybe Loden.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get a little bit of Qui-Gon vibes off Loden just for his personality. He,
0: yeah, he is kind of like your typical standard Jedi, I guess.
1: A- absolutely. But within, the, within that, then we talk about the the sort of primary characters that we encounter, which mm-hmm. are uh, Avar Chris, Loden Storm, and Elzar Man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Three incredibly different Jedis with very, very unique perspectives. <laughs> true. What were your feelings toward Loden and Elzara Kate?
0: Um. So my initial reactions from them were from Rising Storm which we're going to talk about in the next episode.
1: I love Elzara man, I just have to say
0: it. <laughs> like, well I had started Light of the Jedi but then I wanted to jump in and make sure I got Rising Storm read so I read that. Then I went back to Light of the Jedi, but so so it was a probably a different perspective from most what most people are going to be getting. But mm-hmm. yeah, Elzar is like he's kind of like almost like a rogue. He's it sounds like he's he's not opposed to experimenting with different aspects of the Force. And then you have like Loden is kind of just like this stoic, like you said, Qui Gon, and he's just very. Very matter of fact.
1: But with an incredible sense of humor.
0: Right. So his he's got a pad one too. So Poor Belle. Yeah. So that that was a it's like a a good classic um, relationship between master and apprentice.
1: And th- that was the typical sort of relationship, Kate, between um, Loden and Bell, which we'll talk about their relationship more in a minute. But with respect to Avar, Elzar, and then we do meet another character called Stellang uh, Kios. Is, they that, were all, is that how you say it? I've been saying Gios. Oh,
0: Gios, Geos.
1: Yeah. 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 I, I, I've seen it online. I've seen Gaios. So which, whichever way you prefer to pair. I
0: was saying Geos.
1: Geos. Yeah. Per, perfectly fine. We, we'll go with Geos. But <laughs> that gave us the very unique perspective of three individuals who became Padawans together.
0: So they're kind of like the three musketeers.
1: <laughs> Great description. They became Padawans together. Yeah. They're all about the
0: same age, I gather.
1: I, I would be assuming, but within uh, I, probably I
0: a couple of years, maybe. though
1: I think Loden looks a little bit worse for wear at times with all he has to go through with Bell.
0: Yeah, well, he's older, I think. I was talking about um Avar, Geos,
1: and oh, sorry, no, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, but that was it, that was an incredibly unique perspective in that it gave us a sort of a I don't think it's, it, it's a relationship that we've seen before too much, have we? in star wars where the you know three friends rise to the the highest ranks with essentially within the order and we get flashbacks of different stages throughout their relationship
0: right so like yeah that there was a great sense of camaraderie specifically between those three that i don't think we've seen before
1: definitely not and to differentiate a little bit more about what we talked about with Avar and Avar seeing the forces a song. Elzar sees it as an ocean or a sea.
0: Yep.
1: Somewhere totally unexplored and ready for the picking. And as I, you said, I like burries. It, it buries. feels like a
0: tree.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We need to do a whole episode on burry. <laughs>
1: And a very unique perspective forcibility as well, which we'll get into with the yes. disaster because Bury played a critical role mm-hmm. within this. Mm. And at the, at the time of leading the, at the time of the growth of the Republic, we see that Chancellor Lena So, who is this larger than life character who everyone looks to, I suppose, as a, I described the Kate as a moral compass. Mm-hmm. In that everything is for the betterment of others. Yeah. We we are all the Republic in, in essence.
0: So she's a very idealized version of a chancellor. So from the chancellors we've seen so far, <laughs> we haven't had a very good role model for a chancellor so far. Because um, we just had, what was the one guy, in the first one in Phantom Menace? He was just kind of a weakling.
1: <laughs>
0: and then palpy steps in
1: yeah he was a, he was a, a bit of a nasty one wasn't he
0: <laughs> so yeah like this is like a total some kind of refreshing to see the the, the
1: total pack the total package in that she fully believes in what she says but more importantly targons. she carries out her task to the letter
0: and targons and
1: uh, oh yeah, one hundred percent. We we'll get on to those beautiful <coughs> creatures uh, shortly. Her her two companions. Yes. But Chancellor Lina So, her her mission is a very valiant one, but a difficult one. Chancellor mm-hmm. Lina So has what she calls her great works. They are these monuments of achievement that are that are supposed to stand for, I suppose. How would you describe it, kate it's more a case of they're a symbol of what the Republic is, kind of what like it these stands public,
0: for? Public like public works that are just proving how wonderful the republic is, basically.
1: And a showcase of different worlds working together in tandem mm-hmm. for the greater good. And in this instance, the she is building starlight beacon. Yes. And Starlight Beacon is this enormous, you can't really call it space station, can you, Kate? It's its this incredible space station slash Jedi temple slash research facility slash mm-hmm. medical facility, whatever you want. It, it's an amalgamation of everything. Mm-hmm. And within that role, it serves as that sort of beacon of hope, mm-hmm. but it also has a very specific purpose in that it aids in the communication network with the development of furthering research into the, the hyperspace lanes mm-hmm. greater communication is needed and there was a plan to have multiple beacons which would act as conduits boosting communications throughout the 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 mid and outer rims yeah what did you think of that i thought it was quite interesting in that it brought us back to that pers- brought me back certainly back to that perspective of why it was so foreign to see everything working as one and something like this being done.
0: Yeah, I mean, in in some ways, like two hundred years before the Phantom Menace, doesn't seem like enough time to have this scope of, you know, like um, idealism, kind of like Camelot era.
1: Of all for one Republic. and one for all.
0: Yeah it almost seems like it, it that's not enough time but i guess we'll see with the future novels and things like that
1: And again like we're we're only a couple of novels in which which is incredible there is an awful lot of world building to do yes so moving on with that then unfortunately what we find is that not everyone is best pleased with the chancellor's <laughs> best intentions yeah There are some who are very much against it and do not believe that the Republic should rely on the Jedi for everything to protect themselves, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which is exposed and there is greater light put upon it once the great disaster comes that the Jedi answer the call for help. Yeah. And as we said, led by Avar, Chris, the Jedi set about trying to find out what on earth is going on? Why is this happening? And how on earth can it be accomplished?
0: Yep.
1: So a number of plans are set in motion. And again, world building of of an incredibly complex nature, Kay, It's if, if there's one thing that people may struggle a little bit with, with Light of the Jedi, it is the world building, that there are so many different plot points and moving parts Mm -hmm. Happening all at once. But from that then, as the emergencies occur, a lot of bad things start happening. (laughs) And the Jedi in their vectors, which are another new type of vessel. I loved how they were described very... Very low maintenance, but yet incredibly responsive to the Jedi in that they were incredibly quick, maneuverable, and could be controlled by the force if need be. Yeah, that's pretty cool. In other words, these vessels... They're small too, right? They're they're incredibly small, very fast and maneuverable, and can perform maneuvers that no other pilot could. And if they even try it, they would probably die. And it was nice to see the introduction of so many new vessels as well from the the, Jedi, the Vectors to the, the Republic long beams as well. Mm-hmm. Very, very vivid descriptions and detailing of this, which, which was incredible. So all of these events keep happening and lots of people are dying and there is emergence after emergence after emergence. And the Jedi need to find a way to deal with this threat immediately right and in that case, we then meet a character who I thought was very very interesting in Kevin Ter I felt it was nice to see somebody who was brought in to solve their issues not with force powers not with anything spectacular just good old-fashioned ingenuity and brain work how did you how did you feel about the the building of the, the droid network and the <laughs> efforts of the Republic to secure all of those Navi droids to...
0: That whole scene was crazy. Like yeah. Thousands of droids and, yeah, that's right up my alley.
1: It was, and it was a very unique perspective in that it showed, I suppose, the powers of diplomacy in mm-hmm. that they were able to get so much technology together in a very very short space of time in that it was a case of the chancellor gave the order whatever this man needs he gets and no expenses is too large
0: yeah so that was another example too with the jedi all working together when it started getting overheated right
1: very much so, and y- you've taken the words right out of my mouth, Sorry. so do you want to... No, no, that's absolutely perfect. It was the next point I was going to talk about, so it gave us another in your interesting thunder. perspective. Still your
0: thunder. No pun intended. No pun intended, yeah. <laughs> or maybe it was.
1: But yeah, no, take it away. How, how did you read that scene, or what was your, your reaction when you So, read
0: it? with all those droids and everything, like it was starting to get overheated, and they needed to make those calculations, so... Uh, I forget, who was the Jedi spearheading? Was it A- Avar?
1: Avar and Elzar were there. Avar and Elzar.
0: Okay. So, basically they they were rainmakers.
1: In that, the sim- that,
0: most simplistic terms,
1: they that, summoned that the That is it, raindrops. in essence.
0: Yeah, so that was able to cool it down enough to make them finish their calculations.
1: Which was very, very important, but Within learning those calculations and getting the technology, Kate, we skipped over something very, very important. And it's a familiar name that people perhaps did not think we were going to get to hear. Yoda? No. Oh. <laughs> Avar and Elzar are recommended to go and see a certain family of intrepid, oh, intrepid yes. explorers and hyperspace lane
0: right. uh, scouts. So we get to take a little trip to Naboo, and we meet the Santecas, as we may have remembered lore in the sequel trilogy. So presumably descendants of his, right? And that's just like a really common name in the galaxy. I
1: I can't imagine it's not. I can't imagine that's not by by design.
0: He kind of has that persona where he was probably an explorer, so... Mm-hmm. Do you want me to to go on about the Santecas?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we we meet the the two Santecas who are experts in hyperspace travel, and they are explorers slash scouts, whatever you prefer to to call. Mm-hmm.
0: So they apparently the Santeca family is like pioneers, I guess, in that industry, and um, we find out the reason why.
1: <laughs> that, that's putting it mildly.
0: So should we go on to that, the
1: next point? We could, but what I wanted to point out was we get to see another very interesting perspective of Jedi interaction. And it was really nice to see the personality differentiation between Avar and Elzar, who during this communicate solely through the Force. And when they are investigating and speaking to Marlowe and Velis, who are husband and husband, they sit down on their luxurious.
0: Oh, I have a fan cast for one of them, Anthony Rap.
1: Yeah, I yeah because was
0: one of them was like more sharp featured, and one of them was softer featured. Mm-hmm. So maybe he could be like the softer featured one.
1: I, I I'll agree with that. And if there's anybody <laughs> listening who would who would also like to see a fan casting, please let us know.
0: Yes. Okay. Sorry for that sidebar.
1: No the sidebars are, are always welcome But within that Kate we get a nice little tidbit And in that we said Avar always sees The good in people But Elzar is very intuitive To other people and what's going on And Elzar gets a sense That both of them are lying That they have no clue What is going on or who mm-hmm. could be Behind this So
0: it's an interesting dynamic Between those two because they're, they're very opposites
1: Very, very much so. (laughs) And that then leads us to, we find out then that there is, for all we've talked about, this harmonious world where everyone works together for the greater good, there is great darkness and evil
0: Mm -hmm.
1: within this universe. And it is the Nihil. So whether you are saying Nihil or I have heard people pronouncing it Nihil, I'm guessing whatever way you pronounce it is yeah
0: we're not picky
1: yeah we're, we're not picky at all is the Nile? man and we could
0: easily do a whole episode just on the nile
1: you you certainly you certainly could without <laughs> a doubt but one thing i wanted to touch on with that then is their structure is very very interesting yeah the rule Agreed. of three
0: yeah interesting
1: do you want to talk a little bit about essentially what that was, Kate, the, the breakdown of the structure? So
0: basically in this novel, so you had the eye, which is Martian Rowe.
1: Martian Rowe, a very March-on. mysterious character.
0: And the so then it would be like the Tempest Runners under them, right?
1: Yes, three Tempest Runners. So Martian Rowe being the eye, as you mentioned. Then we have uh, Lorna D, Pan Etia, and kasav Miliko.
0: So Ro was, he kind of inherited that, the eye roll from his father, who's now deceased. But he kind of was the brains of, I guess, the whole operation. And they had, the, the Tempest Runners had to be in agreement. And if it was a tie, wait, was that because there's three of them?
1: Yes, you're right. So essentially if it was a tie, then the deciding vote
0: was the I.
1: Was the I, correct.
0: So like all, so basically all three of them would have to agree, but if they didn't, then it
1: would it would go to row. It would go to row. And you've said kind of the brains of, of the operation, which which we'll come to in a moment. But the engine. Yeah, I i I'd be coming on to that as well. But okay. what I got with the structure, K okay, having the Tempest runners, and then it was broken into Clouds and storms. I know
0: I wanted to do a flow chart. I still might I, I that. thought
1: that was an incredibly unique perspective and it was very, very creative. Lots
0: of storm imagery.
1: Without a doubt. And essentially Marshawn Rowe as the lead and then well, the three tempest not, runners doing doing the dirty work.
0: He's kind of like behind the scenes. In this one, especially, he's not so much like a not getting
1: his hands oh, dirty.
0: Right. He's a Behind the scenes, kind of pulling the strings, not out in the open so much.
1: Very much so. Hidden. The eye has a very specific responsibility to the Nile and his Tempest Runners in that. We then learn that they are incredibly dangerous. And before we get on to why, I want to get your thoughts on something, Kate. The way you spoke of getting Trek vibes from the Republic, (laughs) the utter chaos of the nile it gave me mad max vibes
0: oh okay i have not seen that
1: <laughs> just in terms of complete and utter anarchy
0: but i i like i'm i'm vaguely familiar with it i can see that analogy mm-hmm.
1: because it it is it's attempting to control chaos but it's not possible because each tempest runner essentially operates independently and can command their clouds, essentially however the mm-hmm. the heck they like. Yeah. And it makes for a very interesting dynamic. So to lead on to your point, then Kate, we talk about the the path engines, <laughs> which is the reason these mad just incredibly I don't even know how to describe them. I was trying to put a to put a word on it, these. Creatures slash devils with how they look with their masks on and their mm-hmm. very rugged, jagged armor. They are so dangerous because Marshawn Rowe, who is the eye, has this mythical ability to almost operate outside the known laws of hyperspace.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In that, Marshawn Rowe has created a way to transverse hyperspace not just travel through it, transverse hyperspace. And that makes them incredibly dangerous to the Republic because they do not have this technology and they are not aware that the Nile can do this. So the Nile can essentially drop in and out of any system, anywhere they like at will. And Mm -hmm. they have even been known to jump into gravity wells.
0: So it's kind of like, um going back to Star Trek worm like if they were able to just get wormholes anywhere they wanted to anywhere.
1: Essentially, yeah. They can just do things and they have the capacity to operate within realms that the Jedi and the Republic quite simply do not. But to be throwing a spanner in the works, as you mentioned, Kate, the name Santeca comes up again and it turns out that the Santecas were indeed lying. And that Marshawn Rowe being the I Is nothing but a complete and utter facade
0: mm-hmm. Kind of like Wizard of Oz
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> so what? Did how you many th-
0: analogies to pop culture we can do in this episode So what did
1: you think upon learning of that And what exactly it was?
0: It was so. Well, we were talking about it a little earlier It's just so weird
1: It was so out of left field? Yeah
0: it's very strange.
1: It is very strange. So we learn that there is this being, and is she is she, is she ancient being, Kate? I mean, I don't I think it's got, quite stipulated how. I got that I, impression. I want to say ancient myself.
0: Oh, you but, know what that kind of reminds me of. Hmm. Um. <laughs> what What was that one movie with Tom Cruise? Where Where they're arrested for the crimes?
1: Oh, before they do um, them. Minority Report.
0: Yes, remember that thing? Yeah,
1: it's a long time since I've seen it, but yeah, I'll I'll go with you down that rabbit hole one hundred percent. Well, they
0: had like kind of like a like a bean like that that was kind of maybe similar. I don't know. Anyway, mm. continue.
1: But yes, the name Santeca becomes synonymous with hyperspace travel again. We discover that Marshawn Rowe has in his possession Mary Santeca. Who is this ancient being who is being kept together, and kept alive and functioning within this? Is it an artificial womb? Is it a stasis pod? Is is it what?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly, but something along those lines.
1: All we know is that she has this incredible ability to create these paths that enable this incredible. Traversing of hyperspace For the Nile And what Marshawn Rowe is doing is He asks her To discover and calculate These paths And once he does He stores them and keeps them in Reserve Mm -hmm. Essentially to make it look like he Has an abundance of of Paths
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Which is obviously not The case In keeping that facade up he creates this mirage of being this all-seeing all-knowing all-powerful individual the great and powerful oz with with a hidden agenda i may add Mm -hmm. in that he suspects one of his tempest runners murdered his father
0: so much going on with the now
1: (laughs) there certainly was but the jedi have a breakthrough not just from the point of view of kevin which we will get on to shortly just kevin discovering where the emergencies will occur Mm -hmm. but you mentioned burry can you tell us what burry's special ability is and how burry was an enormous part of the beginning of the solution
0: right he's basically like an empath he can feel emotions very strongly Mm mm-hmm so he is able to sense that one of these pieces of wreckage actually has several life forms aboard. So he's able to alert the others that, hey, we, we shouldn't just shoot this piece down or whatever. There's people on there. So thanks to Little Burry.
1: Little able- Burry being a Wookiee.
0: Yes. Lots of Wookiee growls. <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting because not everybody understands shirook shri
1: yeah shri shri rook yeah <laughs> they they all operate through their through their translators
0: right so so yeah so that he's a precious little Wookiee.
1: and that was again another use of um showing us i suppose a different perspective in jedi powers especially with Bori being a, a padawan which was the beginning of a solution and thankfully They were able to save those survivors through some Republic ingenuity and thinking, Mm -hmm. which then presented the very unique uh, perspective then that if there was one compartment containing life forms, Mm -hmm. they may have to do it all over again. It builds to this... Crescendo, as we have said, that Kevin Tarr was able to calculate where these emergencies were going to appear, and that the Jedi were able to eventually save more lives. But the key thing was they were on the search for something very, very specific within the debris, and it was the equivalent of a plane's black box, in that it would give them the data necessary to figure out out what had happened to the legacy run Mm -hmm. but of course we we get a little bit of a warning of that ahead of time don't we through a very young scared little boy
0: so that that was another case with burry right Mm -hmm. so it's like one of the survivors He, he sees this little kid who's really scared and even though they don't really understand their each other's language he's able to ascertain that the kid looked out and he saw three lightning bolts dun, dun, dun.
1: which we do know became a symbol of the nile
0: right to go along with their whole storm trade
1: <laughs> absolutely but so. before i'm only just thinking we skipped over a very very important piece of the jedi working as one throughout the great disaster
0: oh yeah
1: you you know exactly what i'm talking about and mm-hmm. this was this was the the section of the book where i was just going oh my god what have they done here this is this yeah. is amazing one of the emergences was a container of Tiabana that was headed for a sun.
0: So basically, a very dangerous substance that could wipe out the whole system, right?
1: It could wipe out untold numbers. Yeah. And it was Avar, through her very unique abilities being a conduit, that she was able to, first of all, think that something was missed when they eventually plotted all the points. Mm-hmm. And then we see the Jedi perform an act which we have never seen before. Mm -hmm. Potentially could never even comprehend that it was possible.
0: Yeah.
1: All Jedi from all over the system working as one in tandem with the help of Avar, focusing their powers and enjoining them as one, Mm -hmm. use the Force to attempt to move an object that has just emerged from hyperspace from flying into the sun and devastating.
0: Soul does a good job of explaining, you know, like how, how much of a toll it really was on the Jedi. There were some Jedi that uh, lost their lives from this.
1: And that was the other thing I was going to say about this book. Death was a common theme within mm-hmm. this book, despite it being... This incredible utopia, and again, everybody working together for the greater good, which mm-hmm. is the theme of the book. the The quote I attributed to it was, "Kate was darkness rises, and uh, you know, darkness rises and light to meet." But a lot of Jedi did lose their lives, which was something I didn't expect to see with with this straight away. Mm-hmm. You know, when the High Republic was starting, I think one of the questions that was asked was, what would scare a Jedi? And oh boy, did did we get it?
0: <laughs> so if you want another pop culture reference. Oh yes. much This cult, that whole scene kind of reminded me of Guardians of the Galaxy at the end when they're all mm-hmm. working together. Like on a much oh, yeah. smaller scale, but yeah.
1: It was, and and it closed out what the opening theme was, that, you know, everybody had to work together for the sake of everybody else, for Mm -hmm. light and life.
0: So that's like the Jedi's catchphrase in this era, I guess, for light and life. And then the Republic says, we are all the Republic.
1: it, It most certainly is. And thankfully, on this occasion... The Jedi do manage to save an awful lot of lives, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: much to the perhaps displeasure of certain individual individuals who believe that the republic should be able to stand on its own two feet and not always have to rely upon the great protectors. And we also learn then that the Nile have a spy network within the republic.
0: Of course
1: they do. And someone who is very, very close to the Chancellor. We meet Izzet Noor, who is the spokesperson for the Outer Rim territories. And we find out then that his assistant, Jenny Wataro, has been working with the Nile all along. But it, 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 and it paints the picture that the Republic and the Jedi are completely oblivious to how dangerous. Mm
0: hmm. So something that kept coming across my mind with the High Republic is something that we've heard about the Jedi before, specifically like with Luke, when he's talking about the hubris of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. So that seems to be a recurring theme with the Jedi, no matter which era you're in. Very much so. They get too proud and they can't see beyond certain things.
1: Almost thinking they're untouchable. Mm hmm. You know, it's one, one thing that we essentially are leaving out. Kate was that there is an enormous spanner thrown in the works. In that, once we had sort of thought the dust was settled, the Nihil then conduct the raid on Elfrona. Mm-hmm. Within, well, I don't want to say things had died down, but just when you thought things could not get any worse, <laughs> they raid the planet Elfrona to kidnap the uh, Blight family. Mm-hmm. Who I believe they had rel- wealth uh, wealthy relatives on the Car Worlds. Yeah. And Correct. one of the Nile Tempest runners, who was Lorna D, she decided to take them captive. Mm-hmm. But major plot twist, the raid was only approved because Marshawn Rowe had a very specific intent involved.
0: Mm-hmm. He wanted a Jedi.
1: Martian Rowe agreed to this raid because there was a Jedi outpost elf on Elfrona. So
0: he's got something up his sleeve.
1: He very for much sure. has something up his sleeve. And when the family who were being attacked called out for help, nobody would come. But fortunately, the Jedi Temple received a message that a family were being attacked. And that they should maybe go and help. But unfortunately, things do not quite go according to plan. And after attempting to rescue the family, Jedi Master Loden Greatstorm is captured by the Nihil. And thus ends the Light of the Jedi. Now, Kate, we have not even covered half of what went <laughs> on in this book. Yeah. There is no way on earth you can condense down what went on. In. There is so much that we haven't talked about at all, which uh, I'm kind of glad we didn't because we don't want to be doing it too much. Like I think that the relationship between Loden and Bell is is really nice, but also you get to see some other pretty cool Jedi and in particular members of the the High Council as well, which mm-hmm. is going to paint a very interesting perspective of how the the hierarchy of the Jedi council worked back in those days i have no i have no doubt that we have probably confused the living daylights out of people who may be listening in who <laughs> maybe haven't read the book or only glanced through it
0: yeah
1: but just to say to people that the book is incredibly dense and that there is going to be an awful lot to take in Mm-hmm. A lot of sensory overload, new characters, yeah. new worlds, new perceptions, but it is so worth it.
0: Yeah.
1: It is so, so, so worth it's it. A it fun really era. and truly is. Absolutely. Any final thoughts on the Light of the Jedi, Kate, or lightsabers? Oh, did you want to mention?
0: Rating? I mean, this kind of will go into the Rising Storm, but mm-hmm. at the very end, Elzar has a vision.
1: We can do, but I suppose we will maybe just say that Elzar Man, who was a Jedi that we know is incredibly open to the Force and its interpretations. Mm -hmm. And the question, as we said, when the High Republic was being put together was what could potentially scare a Jedi?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Well... On Starlight Beacon after the dust had settled and plans were being made for how to deal with the Nihil and the fallout of the attacks. Mm-hmm. It's safe to say that Elzar Man had a vision which no doubt would scare any Jedi. True. I
0: think that's a good spot.
1: And I think yeah, potentially yeah. we 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 leave it at that for now. So finally, uh, Kate, your final thoughts on *Light of the Jedi* and your lightsaber rating?
0: <laughs> um, let's say four point five out of five lightsabers.
1: Mhm. I'm quite um, close to you. Part I- of
0: that, part of that, just is um, I hurried through this one really fast. Mm-hmm. if I think of it, if I would have taken a little more time, it maybe would have been a little higher. So that's kind of on me, but.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very close to you for me. Um, for me, it was five out of five um, lightsabers. I think Charles had an incredibly difficult task to open the court yeah. and show us what the High Republic is all about. But his world building was phenomenal. His character development really and truly was outstanding and I do not think he could have done a better job than he did he managed to fit in everything all while keeping the reader entertained and mm-hmm. intrigued and speaking for myself personally I'm sure you'll concur though after having read Light of the Jedi I, I wanted more
0: yes definitely I'm ready for the next one oh well we will be talking about it I guess soon. absolutely <laughs> but yeah so now we're with the rising storm, that's kind of like phase two is what they're calling it. I think. Absolutely. So do you know when the after when the next novel is supposed to be,
1: I'm not 100% sure at the moment, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll no doubt find out soon enough though. True.
0: But yeah, overall, like it's, it's very, very in the vein of star Wars, lots of star Wars characters and, Like you were talking about some really good word building, world building.
1: Starting with a blank slate. The only thing I would add is I would encourage everyone to take a dive into the High Republic novels. Mm -hmm. It is daunting and there is going to be a bit of trepidation (laughs) getting into this new era of Star Wars. But the start has been overwhelmingly promising
0: very well written characters and
1: and the reaction has been very very positive so Mm -hmm. there's honestly no doubt in my mind that if people sit down and read the high republic novels they will be left wanting more
0: Mm -hmm. oh and i i just want to add to um i know i had sent you over those two charts Mm -hmm. so we'll probably maybe we can post those but I wish I had looked at those before I started reading because it's Mm -hmm. very handy. It it shows like the master apprentices and the different Jedi and some of the different characters. Yeah, it shows the
1: breakdown of the the relationship between everyone.
0: And that's pretty cool because you can kind of sometimes it it gets a little overwhelming with like the different aliens. I find it's hard to tell some of them apart sometimes. So it's helpful to have a visual description and.
1: Absolutely. And that's another thing I was going to comment on was that with respect to this being a blank slate, if people there will be people who have just read the books who haven't read the comics, mm-hmm. so they would not have that visualization. True. whereas those who have had the advantages of reading the comics, they that would is a good point. see the the you know, they would be able to visually see what the the characters look that's like, a, but um need to read
0: those.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I think. We would be in agreement that overall the the start of the High Republic has been very promising and long may it continue. Cut the channel, Red
0: too. All right. So we hope you've enjoyed our first discussion into the High Republic. And there's more where this came from. <laughs> so stay tuned for our next episode. And as always, you can follow us on social media If you are just getting into the High Republic, give us a shout and let us know how you're liking it. Uh, If you have any questions or concerns about the High Republic, let us know. Maybe we can help you out. Um, Anything else, Gary?
1: No, I think that's it. It's been a very promising start to the High Republic. And I, I would recommend everybody just jump in and give it a chance.
0: Let's end this one... For For light and and life.